session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Afternoon, welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Trilakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, wanted to start off today. Uh, it's a theme I've discussed before, but some of the themes I'll cover today, if, depending on how the show goes, are related to expectations versus reality. You know, that actually reminds me of, sometimes you'll see Instagram versus reality. People will, will put a post and actually uh, that's kind of a, a similar theme, this idealized version, which we can have, which that's what we do on social media, put this filtered and selected and uh, procured moment or video um, versus real life, which is not going to be that. And when we compare our uh, real lives with people's imaginary lives, of course, it's going to fall short. But we can also compare our real lives with what we think it's supposed to be some idealized version of um, ourselves, other people, relationships, and that can really get us into trouble too. So there's a uh, a term or phrase maybe you've heard depending on your age um, but getting the ick i-c-k and when something is ick or icky you maybe heard that even if you haven't heard this phrase it means it's kind of gross or disgusting even kids might say oh that's icky meaning it's kind of gross and so when it's used in the sense of getting the ick it's usually more in the sense of someone and we're usually someone we're considering uh, in a romantic or sexual way does something or we see them in some way or something comes up about them that gives us the ick and often this feeling the way they describe it is because of this now I can't uh, see this person as an attractive person as a romantic or sexual partner it's just done and sometimes it can be a very blanket um, all or nothing type of a thing oh I got the ick he gave me the ick or she gave me the ick and now I just can't see them in that way. And of course, with all things, there's always going to be um, exceptions to rules of what I'll be talking about. Sometimes someone can do something so um, bothersome that we maybe see them as not a match or it could be a deal breaker. But the way it's often used in, uh, you know, the way people will talk about getting the ick is something that it's a bit minor. It's nothing that significant or just some moment. They oh, the way they looked when they ate or they said a phrase a certain way or they spelled something wrong in a text or whatever um, it might be. It's something more minor, not something so significant. And then people are just writing someone off completely as a romantic or sexual partner because of that. And I think it's unfortunate. And I think it's reflective of the avoidance that I think is a trend this movement that we have that we don't have to have relationships the way that we felt we did before 
which is overall a good thing that you're choosing to be, let's say, married. You don't have to be and only do it if you want to be married. Um, but also with that choice, it does allow for people to avoid something that they may even want, want but are a bit afraid of, want but might have some anxiety about. And so they might avoid making that next step because it always will feel a bit not right, something I might touch on later in the show. So when I hear people saying they got the ick, it seems like a way of ending something before it begins or early when it's begun, just because of that safety of not wanting to get close. It reminds me of what was kind of the theme on the show Seinfeld was that he would always find something wrong with uh, the girl he was dating and would end it after a short while. He wouldn't, I don't think that term ick was around back then in this way, but it was a similar theme. Oh, they have, there was, I know, one with the big hands or one with whatever it was. They always had something. And actually now I think, you know, you see this theme of avoiding closeness as something he was expressing in this comedic way, but that probably was something that was there. Finding something wrong that then disqualifies them that really doesn't, need to be a deal breaker. It doesn't seem to be something that would qualify to that level, we would think. So that's just something I've uh, noticed happening. And so when I see this, this theme coming up, I think it's unfortunate because if we write someone off just because they've done something that we think is uh, cringy or not attractive or a little bit off, uh, we're going to write off basically everyone because everyone does that at some point. Even people who are happily married might still find something or likely will still find something their partner does annoying or not so attractive or something they don't like or something they wish they rather didn't do. And so if we write off anyone that does anything like that, we're likely going to write off everyone. We won't be left with anyone to be with. If we take this even a step further, if we reflect on yourself, you've definitely done something that you would find cringy or you would get the ick towards really looking at. We can all uh, look through our lifetimes and remember social situations or, you know, something embarrassing that we did or an incident that happened that we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And sometimes at the most random moments, one of them will pop into your head and you don't know why, and there could be reasons for that. And you'll just be like, oh, I can't believe that happened, or I can't believe I did that. And so thankfully, we don't write ourselves off because of that, or we don't just uh, distance ourselves from ourselves. That's a harder thing to do because we, that's just part of being human. We all have flaws, weaknesses. We all make mistakes. We all do things that aren't quite right in a moment and that's okay. And we can at times be too hard on ourselves. Maybe we don't end the relationship in some way with ourselves, but we might be very hard and beat ourselves up about it. Um, but we shouldn't and can be more compassionate that, okay, things happen. But similarly, when we meet people and we're getting to know someone, we want to bring that same type of perspective, that same level of understanding, of compassion, of, of reasonableness that, okay, they did something I didn't like, but let's not jump to a conclusion here. Let me not just end things because of one moment. I, I just see it happening. And, you know, often when we name a feeling or name an experience, we might look for it more. So when now, you know, people say I got the ick or he gave me the ick, it does make people think, oh, I had this feeling. And then it makes it sometimes seem even bigger than it is. Oh, I got this feeling. That means this is over. I can't be attracted to this person anymore, which doesn't have to be the case or is not necessarily true. It was just something 
um, they did, that is this a moment. That's all that it is. And people do this in, in both ways. We sometimes think something someone did also makes them for sure the person we want to be with. That might be less likely or a different type of idealization. But here we're going to the other side or imagining that the person that we're attracted to will never do something that we find a bit cringy or unattractive. And that's just not the case. That's where these expectations are so critical and so important because if we expect to never feel this way by the person that we will be with, we will write everyone off and be left alone, which maybe unconsciously will feel comfortable for us. But if we're genuinely seeking a relationship, we have to be ready to accept these things. Okay, there was that moment there, but let me, uh, you know, hold on to that. They did something I didn't like. They're always going to be things about them they don't like. Just like I was saying before, there's things about yourself you might not like or be fond of or wish were different or wish you did differently. But that's not something that makes it so you can't love yourself or give yourself a sense of appreciation and validation. And similarly with someone you're dating. So I would recommend when you're meeting someone, dating someone, to be mindful of not jumping to conclusions too quickly. There will be some clear clear uh, deal breakers, things like, let's say, age, or if you're looking for someone who wants children or doesn't already have children, those things I can understand and you can have those clear uh, deal breakers that might make sense to hold and to know before you start dating. But if it's something they did momentarily, be mindful of not jumping to that conclusion that that's it. And also, sometimes people go the other way, as I was saying, they go on one date and think, no, this is the one, it has to be the person uh, I'm, I'm going to marry. It does happen, you know, you hear these stories of people that met and 36 hours later or four days later got married. I'm not saying it never happens. But if you're asking me as a recommendation, I would say, no, I would not approach things that way. It's like anything that there's um, advice or rules about there can be exceptions, but most people, we think we're the exception to general rules when most of the time we're not. There's a reason why it's a general rule. So people might think, oh, I know you shouldn't jump to a conclusion about someone to marry them, but I'm, I'm sure of it. I felt something. And I'm all about under, uh, being in touch with our feelings, understanding our feelings, but not letting ourselves become slaves to those feelings or make our feelings the dictators that if we feel something, we act on it. So when we go on dates, we sometimes can feel either way, this definitely no or definitely yes feeling. Some definitely no feelings like might be, I can understand it could be time to move on. But in general, I encourage people if they find their tendency is, let's say, to end things too soon, to at least give it another shot. Even with some clients at times, if we find this tendency coming up that they go on a lot of first or one or two dates and then end things, without letting it become something, barring the situations where it's really something extreme between them and the person, I'll encourage them to go, okay, let's try at least one or two more dates or meetings with this person to see how you feel, to not jump to that conclusion because we know your tendency is to too quickly end things. And there's people on the other side where they go on one or two dates and they're like, oh my goodness, this is the person, I'm going to marry this person, I think this is the one, we he said this or she said that and we really connected and it was amazing and with those people it's it's in a way the opposite like let's slow down and really you can't know it's a yes yet the way i sometimes tell people like okay you first date like this person to that degree as much as you can let's say on the first date that's where you're at but not more than that you can't already um, know that they're the one that's not possible after 
this one date. So you're going to have to slow down and also slow down some of those um, thoughts that might come with it. You know, we might think, well, what's the harm of imagining things or daydreaming? And some daydreaming is natural and okay, but there is um, a level of daydreaming that can be what we could even call pathological daydreaming. Because what can happen is you start imagining yourself with this person. And if you keep doing that, you create this image of this person that is a little bit the reality of who they are and the rest is the idealization of what you're creating in your head. And the longer you stay in that space, minutes and hours, it feels good, kind of like a drug. It takes us away from our current state of emotions, uh, but it could create this feeling that the person is something more than they are. And then the next time you see them, well, one, you might be disappointed if they don't match that, but two, you might already give them this sense of feeling that they are this amazing person that you want to be with when most of that was something you created in your head. So we have to be aware of not letting our imagination get the better of us and get in the way of actually getting to know the person in real life rather than the imagination we have in our heads. So we can see there's different sides of the spectrum that can come up here. Sometimes we idealize the person already and make them more than they are. Sometimes we idealize what a relationship is going to feel like and what the person will make us feel like and think if they ever do something we don't like, that means this is not the one because it's going to feel so different. I'm never going to feel this way. But in both cases, we're not facing the actual reality of getting to know the person in front of us and also the reality of what a relationship will be like and what the person that we ultimately end up with will be like. They won't be perfect. They won't always make us feel good. They won't always make us feel attracted to them. They won't never do something we find unattractive or we don't like, that's just part of being human. And those expectations and those idealizations can get us into trouble. Let's go to a commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, thank you for taking my call, uh, sure. Dr. Uh, the uh, question I have uh, is about uh, what I think is, uh, my children have. I have three children and uh, two of them uh, from the beginning, from childhood, they were a little bit on the uh, shy side and then uh, it was difficult for them to uh, really associate with other other people or if you had any uh, family gatherings or parties, they, they never participated. And I thought they might have uh, an Asperger when I was looking at Asperger, I, uh, I thought maybe it really applies uh, to, to both of them. Uh, and then now, uh, one of them is 35 years old, the other one is 25. But uh, it hasn't really improved that much. They are still the same, a little bit I isolate themselves, a little bit loner, and uh, this kind of thing. I was going to ask you, what is Asperger, and uh, is it is it um, genetic, something that... Uh, that uh, comes from the family, or is it something that had happened to them in childhood or they just picked it up mm -hmm. when they were smaller? Could you please uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Thank you. Well, sure. So, um, yeah, we, we can first, I guess you want some general information, then we can get into your your children who are adult children. Now you said 35 and 25 are the two that you're um, considering. So, you know, Asperger syndrome, it actually no longer officially exists as its own diagnosis. It used to be its own diagnosis now as of, I think, 2019 or so. It's part of um, 
the autism spectrum. So it's part of the autism spectrum. Really the main difference between what was uh, called Asperger's syndrome and autism was that with Asperger's, there isn't the cognitive delays and the language delays that are more common in, as, uh, in autism. Not everyone who's on the autism spectrum has these delays, but that was really one of the main things individuals with Asperger's were known for having uh, issues with social and emotional cues and, and picking up um, on those. But lately it's been, uh, again, subsumed under the autism spectrum as a diagnosis. Now these things, um, these diagnostic labels, it's not like it's something that comes from the sky that is definitely it's this and not that. Uh, lots of people, myself included, have take issue with the diagnostic criteria and the models and the labels that are there. They have value in allowing us to communicate, to help us understand what people are going through, but they're definitely limiting in, in other ways as well. So um, as far as Asperger's, again, it's not technically a diagnosis anymore, but still I hear many clinicians still use that when they discuss or describe someone because they, they still have that frame of uh, mindset or about that disorder or people falling into that spectrum of having issues with social and emotional types of understandings, but being okay um, verbally and in other ways. As far as it being genetic, you know, there's a fairly generic answer that most of these illnesses have, which is that there definitely is a, a genetic component. Uh, doesn't mean there's a single gene that is like an autism gene or an Asperger gene, but uh, that there's genetic uh, components to it we see it running in families or that does have an effect now the exact reason why it shows up there are many theories um, the the ones about um, uh, vaccines are very much not supported by evidence but there's lots of other theories uh, I've seen from like infections at certain ages and things like that that can be related to other mental illnesses too but the real clear cause there isn't a, a clear cause that we understand or can say this is why people have autism or uh, Asperger's. Now, the other question here, that was more general about those types of uh, disorders. We, with your children, we don't know even really if they have that. You're saying you're at some level self-diagnosing them from what I'm gathering because it doesn't seem like they've gone that diagnosis. You described being shy, which you know, someone who has autism might come off that way, but also someone who's more just anxious or socially anxious can come off that way as well or might withdraw. So, um, and, and diagnosing them in particular, it can have some value, but going back to what I was saying before, it might not necessarily help us, especially now that they're so much older where whatever is going to happen, they're likely going to have to take action on it. Uh, but you could tell me what makes you think now that they would have um, Asperger's syndrome. Uh, you know, from uh, childhood, of course, I was not familiar, or I didn't pay much attention. Uh, but uh, I, I realized that they, uh, basically, a little bit, uh, especially my son, he would uh, isolate himself a little bit. I would spend uh, more by himself, uh, not having so many friends, and uh, I, I would not like to meet other people especially uh, meeting other people was difficult and then uh, some of them um, talking on the phone if I if you have to ask something on the phone or 
or uh, you know m- m- meeting a new uh, a person or family members or even uh, uh, without even joining any any family gatherings any parties anything like that you just shy away from it or didn't like that at all um, and then I of course I uh, I, I noticed that I, I was always worried about that but I didn't do anything uh, until you know he's, he's now 35 and he's still almost the same uh, he has not really changed much I see him uh, you know, going even going on a trip he just goes on by himself uh, basically on trips here and there um, still if you have people at home he would never come and say hello or anything like that he would just uh, rather stay in his room mm-hmm. uh, he uh, basically works most of the nights until late and then uh, sleeps until probably about noon time every day uh, things like that you know it just uh, I uh, never realized that I never really paid much of attention I should have had but uh, now at this age I was I was wondering if there's anything we can do it because he would never, uh, he would never come to see a, a therapist or a, a, a psychologist, anything like that. And we have suggested that, like since ten years ago, but he would never come. He would never agree to that. He would, he would never even talk to a, a doctor or to a psychologist about about that. He was being either shy or just just doesn't like to do that at all. Mm-hmm. So now he's thirty-five. I was wondering that. Uh, is there anything we can do? Is there anything so we just have to let it go like that? Well, and then, uh, mm-hmm. or, go ahead. yeah. Well, the first thing is even you know when we're looking at getting someone help is like, do how are they feeling? How are they doing? So, do you, is this? And let me ask also ask you professionally or what does he do for work? He is just a computer in, in, in a software engineer. He just uh, works at home basically. He has his own little company and then. He just uh, um, just works works again by himself. Yeah. So what? And that you know that's also making me think of some other um, potential you know we can call them personality type issues or disorders that might be more in line with what you're describing rather than Asperger's. So the thing with something like Asperger's is that the person it's not just that they don't engage. Sometimes actually they really want to engage and they do they have a hard time picking up on social cues and understanding what's what's happening where m- most people might not for example uh, i've worked with kids who have um were you know on the autism spectrum or had asperger's when we would call it that and they would be telling a story and they would just keep telling the same about the same topic he would say they would stay focused on one topic for minutes and minutes and minutes where literally the kids around them would be yawning, like showing that they're bored, but they would be missing these cues that this means that they're bored and maybe change the subject or not talk about this. And then they would begin talking about that same topic again. So it's not so much about not being social. Now, it, it, you know, sometimes with other parts of the autism spectrum, there can be that, um, but it's that they're missing the cues, like they don't understand. So did you have that sense that he wouldn't get if someone's angry or upset or how to interact with people? Because what I'm hearing from you is more the desire wasn't there or maybe an anxiety or something, a combination of those. But that's different than not understanding or missing the social cues. No, not at all. There was no any other indications whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, uh 
it was just everything else was normal. Yeah. The only thing that he, 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 he was not, uh, he, was, he would not engage uh, with uh, socially. I've never seen him even watching TV. I have never seen him <laughs> interested in any any program. He just does his own thing. He's, he, in other words, he is in his own world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that comes to mind, there's something called schizoid personality disorder, which um, people who have... No, say that again. Schizoid, so it's S-C-H-I-Z-O-I-D. Um, and it usually shows itself early in adulthood. I guess you're saying, you know, you might see obviously signs like this when they are um, children, but they tend to not have interest in social relationships. Or you know, and and often the reason I asked about work, well, just to know more about him. But even they tend to find work that is more solitary because they don't want to be interacting with others. Um, exactly. Yeah, and and so that's what I was saying before too. When we observe, you know, anyone observes someone, we observe them from our own perspective, right? You see someone doing something, you're like that looks like fun because you think you would enjoy it um, or that doesn't look good or their life looks boring to me. But what we always want to ask or we have to understand is what are they experiencing? So if your son is actually happy with his life the way it is, then there's no need to try to intervene because there's nothing to intervene for or to do something about. He's okay with his life the way it is. There's a difference when someone has some kind of very strong anxiety Uh, or a social anxiety where the desire is there, they wish they can have more friends and see more people, but they're scared to have this anxiety about it and keeps them away from it. That's a very different thing than someone that says, I don't want to be around people. I'm enjoying my solitary experience. So that's one thing of even when you're asking about helping him is that does he even, is he even hurting? Is he suffering to want help? Uh, I don't know if he's ever shared anything like that with you or if you ever asked him about that, but have you ever had conversations about how he feels about his life and how he's doing? Well, that's another thing. Uh, uh, his conversations is always very limited, very telegraphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might uh, maybe by uh, in a week's time, even though he, he lives downstairs, a little bit uh, isolated from us, but uh, if I see him, it would just uh, just one word. Uh, are you okay? Yes. Or uh, maybe sometimes just good morning. The weeks can go by uh, without having a. He, he has no desire to really uh, communicate until some, uh, unless there's something really is an emergency or something really important that uh, he wants to discuss with the mom. Uh, apart from that, uh, very little conversation. But. Um, basically seems to be happy with his life. He, it's not that he, he has no desire mm-hmm. to uh, to associate with, uh, with our friends or some, maybe relatives or whatever. It just, uh, no, he, 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 he seems to be pretty content mm-hmm. with his life uh, the way he is. Okay, yeah. As I was saying, that's to, that to me is, uh, is very important that if he's okay, again, we might think if I was him, I wouldn't like that, but he might be okay. And I can get there's another side of that. Of course, I'm sure you'd like to have more of a relationship with him from your side, which just that's an understandable desire to be closer to your son and have some kind of a relationship with him. So I'm sure that's also part of what you're feeling. Yeah. I, 
I have tried. I have done. Yeah. You know, I've tried anyway. But as I said, he just is not a very um, talkative person. Just uh, um, basically yes or no, or maybe or yeah. not now, uh, things like that. At the end, ends the conversation. And does he? I mean, in any part of his life, did he have friends or romantic partners, anything like that? Um, he seems to have a, a couple of friends that came from. Uh, high school era mm -hmm. that he still uh, has in touch with only one, one or two of them and then um, there is a girlfriend that uh, he also visits uh, even though you know he's 35 and says we keep on, I keep on encouraging uh, to bring a girlfriend here or if we are, you know, we've been together for a couple of years and maybe it's time to you know, make it more a little bit more serious things like that but again on, uh, on that part also he just he just has no. Uh, he, he basically he he procrastinates basically mo almost everything. Just, he is uh, a, a type of person that will not make quick decision mm -hmm. for anything at all. Uh, all. All decisions are take a long time for decision. A poor girl probably waiting, but uh, you know, uh, but uh, no, he just has no mm -hmm. even intention to bring her up here just to meet us or bring at a higher level. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, in this case, you're saying procrastinating, but again, it could be he doesn't have, he doesn't want it, you know, so it's not just avoiding because he's anxious about it. It might be he really doesn't want to get closer. Uh, yeah, I don't know, does this girl want more and he's not giving it or that I, I obviously we can't know, but, um, but we're not sure, you know, if he's, he wants more than what's happening or if he's, you know, okay with it. You know, you can ask him, I know you're saying you don't have, lots of conversations or they don't get really in depth but um in some kind of way of just you know i i just want to make sure you're okay or you know seeing if he is okay with with how everything is and things are going um without putting too much pressure on him to give you know too much of an answer because he that already is going to feel a bit like you're telling him the way he's living is not okay but you can ask him just i want to make sure you know if, or if there's anything you need from me or any way i can help you and, and if he says no, at some level, we're going to have to take him at his word. You know, we can't force him to change his life if he seems okay with it. But I guess uh, my question is, uh, Doctor, from you, if you uh, would please, is uh, now, uh, from what I explained about him, uh, I'm just always worried that, uh, do I have to do something? Do I have to uh, ask him again to to take him to a therapist do I have to uh, do I have to do anything to maybe um, improve his life or change or whatever if he needs if he needs that change or improvement or just uh, or just be happy and continue the way he is this is accept okay this is the way he is he did his life and this is the way you know he, he wants to, to lead his life and then uh, I'll be happy and he'll be happy and I have don't have to have a, a very uh, um, uh, uh, bad conscience about it that uh, that uh, I you know maybe, maybe I sh when he was a child I should have at that time taken him to a therapist or something like that or just uh, uh, basically it's, it's maybe it's about more about me than about him then uh, shall I just let it go or do I need to do anything? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah, that's understandable. You want to just make sure from your, you know, your responsibility as his father 
whatever his age. So like, is there anything you need to do? You know, from what I'm hearing from you, it does seem like he's okay with it. As I said, you can ask him again in a way just to make sure, you know, is there anything you can do to help him? Or would he like help? Or is he, how does he feel about things and how they're going in his life? And if he's okay with it, we'll have to accept that and respect that. I mean, you can, you know, we're having this conversation and it's fairly short. It could be worth, if you really are unsure, talking to someone more thoroughly in in person or, you know, having sessions with someone to really get a sense of what's going on if you're still unsure. I think you can ask him one more time or ask him, seems like you have, not in a way of like, don't you want to do this or don't you want to do that, but just how do you feel? How is everything? I just wanted to make sure, um, I want to respect your space and what you want for your life, but I just wanted to make sure you're okay and there's nothing that you want from me or for us to do for you. Uh, But it does seem like he has always liked being this way. And if that's his personal preference, then yeah, we might have to just accept that and accept him as he is, but that he's not going to change. Because even if you take him to see a therapist, if he doesn't want to change, then, you know, what what is he going to be working on? You know, so if he did tell you, yeah, I really wish I had more friends, but I'm afraid to talk to people or get out of the house, or I wish I had this going on, but it makes me anxious to start something. That's a very different thing from if he's okay with it. Um, and, you know, we, we then even if you get him into a therapist's office, it won't make a difference. Just like if someone doesn't want to exercise and you, you can drive them to the gym, but it doesn't make a difference. They, they don't want to do something there. So um, that's my thought is you can ask him again. It seems like you have in as much of a way as possible that you're not judging his life as being wrong or bad, but that you just wanted to ask him, you know, to make sure. And he can tell you whatever he tells you. And based on that, you can have your peace of mind if he says he's okay. If not, then you'll help him. But it does seem like from what you're saying, he's okay with his life the way it is. Yes, I think so. I think he doesn't, he doesn't complain. He's the kind of guy that he would never complain about anything. Well, you know, sometimes people don't complain. doesn't mean they're always... I mean, I'm not saying he's not okay. But, you know, there's also... He doesn't seem to have that flavor of the people-pleaser side, but sometimes a people-pleaser might not ever complain, but they're not happy. So... You know, if you have a conversation, that's a little bit, it seems like he doesn't give a lot of space for it, but that's a slower one that you really can really, you know, how's this or tell me a bit about work or something and just kind of just see how he's doing. Then he can give you that sense of, um, you know, if he's okay with his life or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, just one, one little thing is from the childhood, we never really had a very good, uh, uh, relationship. Uh, you know, I was just, uh, probably expecting him to be more athletic more engage in more sports or do this and do that but he just basically resented that and always he always thought that i'm just you know i'm i'm uh, bothering him or i'm just uh, you know i'm just telling him what to do and trying to control his life and stuff like that. but that was long long time what, ago. yeah what was he that. was he closer That's with anyone point. else like with his mom or anyone else in life yeah, much closer, much closer to her mom. Okay. His mom, yeah. So, you know, there's, you know, I'm not, maybe we can like explore that a bit. I know you also wanted to ask about your daughter. Is that right? Well, I mean, uh, my, my daughter is much, much better, but uh, she she's almost the same. Okay. Well, but, how about, but no, but she, yeah, she, I'm gonna, I'll just cut you off there because we're, we're actually past the commercial break. And so, you know, this last part you brought up about him and your relationship with him. We could talk a bit more about that and then also to give some time to, to ask about your daughter as well. So let's go to a commercial break and we'll talk after, okay? 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with a caller. Let's go back to them now. Caller, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Thank you, doctor. Sure. At, before the break, yeah, you um, you added, you know, your relationship with him not being so close the way it sounded from what you were saying, you might have had certain expectations on him as a son that he wasn't uh, following through on and maybe that led to some of that conflict or distance. Yeah, I, I was not, uh, loudly, I was not the best and the kindest uh, father as you can imagine a uh, um, long time ago when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, as I said, I was expecting him to be uh, you know, a little bit more athletic, do this, do that. And eat this kind of food, that kind of food that's better for him. Or uh, wasn't didn't have really time to take him to uh, like uh, ball games or uh, you know be uh, take him to, uh, to to park together or just bond with him uh, as much as I really uh, wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you know if, if you wanted this kind of shoes, I said no, it's, uh, no, this is good for you. Let's, let's buy that one or a little bit better or a little bit cheaper or this kind of thing. So uh, I was I was uh, probably um, uh, controlling him uh, and then that I thought that, you know, it's something he really didn't like at all. I mean, sometimes he even didn't like my presence. Uh, you know, when I came from work, he was just, it seemed like he was just not happy with me coming back home, things like that. Hmm. But uh, Well, you know, but I, I, and just, I, uh, I mean, that's in the past, now but of course could affect your relationship with him now even you're saying you know he didn't you know at times like your presence um but it does seem like there's a way where you were making him feel that same way that what he, how he was who he was you didn't like so when someone gives us that feeling it's not uncommon for us not want to be around that because we don't feel like they accept us as we are or want to be around. you know so um nonetheless that's there but you know i was asking about his relationship with mom or other people in his life what what have they been like and what are they like now now with the mother uh the relationship's always been good very close and then uh even now they're pretty close and then it's just a very loving relationship even though i haven't seen him uh you know giving uh uh, very talkative with, with her either. It's just uh, again, it's just a limited, limited but meaningful conversation he has with uh, with the mother. Okay. But you know, they they seem to understand each other um, very well. And, you know, okay. Like, and are you still uh, together, yeah. you and his mother? Yeah, we are together. You're, okay. What's her thought on how he's doing and um, what's going on with him? Well, uh, he, she's not. As worried or as uh, as worried as I am, uh, she seems to think that uh, oh he's busy, he's working, mm-hmm. or he's fine, um, he's fine. It's just uh, she, she's not uh, worried, but she always says oh yeah, he, I mean why why is you know some you know maybe fifteen twenty percent of uh, uh, um, the things I think she she's, she feels the same way about twenty percent thirty percent of it. Okay, she thinks it's the same. So, you know, there could be still this theme of accepting him for who he is and how he is that might be more important than focusing on changing him. Yeah. 
And of course, I totally uh, changed my behavior. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I went to uh, therapy myself a long time ago, and I totally changed. And I understood that uh, I have to see things their way and try to uh, accommodate to you know the way and accept the way they are. And things like that. I, I, I basically changed myself. But uh, now, what what worries me is at the time that he was growing up, you know that that's that. that the degree of uh, you know, control, or degree of uh, uh, not resentment, but not not the, the the relationship that you know wasn't really there had, had affected him uh, to the point that even now uh, there's a distance between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of what you were describing, I mean, it does seem like he isolates to some degree, but you know his shortness with you is likely due to your relationship with him you know, since childhood that possibly has not recovered. Did you ever, you know, acknowledge this, these things from childhood, apologize to him? Okay. Of course, of course, of course, many times mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I kiss his hand, I just apologize to him. I, I tried to make it up to him. I did, uh, you know, many, many times, I, you know, since 15, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah. I, I've been uh, trying to be as, as kind and as a good father as I can be and supportive, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, he just he just tells me he, he's fine, Papa. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I love you. I'm fine. I'm fine. Marcus. Yeah, well, I and that, I hope he is too. And um, you know, even the way you said that, it seems like uh, clearly you're worried about him. And I, I think it's wonderful that you, you know, apologized and and that hopefully helped at some level. But there still could be a sense he has that if you're asking him how he's doing or you want to know how he's doing you might be looking for something that's wrong or bad or you know that it might come with a judgment and so he might not be as comfortable to tell you about what's happening in his life yeah i have a feeling that he thinks he's uh he's he's, he's a little bit has shortcoming of what i of my expectation of, of him yeah uh, he, he can never uh you know size up or live up to my expectations uh, or my judgment in other words mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very weird what my me judging him uh, well like, un- understandably I, so don't. right I mean it seems like from you're saying it was a pretty constant thing growing up and even right now you know obviously on one hand we can say you're concerned about him but still there's that feeling that how he's living his life you don't uh, approve of it or you don't think it's right or you're you're um, wanting it to be different so um, that's something that I would encourage you that if you're to to focus your relationship less on changing him and trying to change the dynamic of the relationship so that it feels more warm and accepting and to not even concern yourself with changing him in any way. And if you ask him about something or you talk about something, just uh, being genuine but focusing on just the positive parts of it or the good parts of it. He, he doesn't need, you know, for you to give him that guidance or changing him he needs to feel comfortable around you to even then open up more and maybe at some point share more of that with you. But I'd focus on just, you know, he shares like, oh, I did this, I did that, oh, great. Rather than if there's, well, maybe try this or what if you did this or have you thought of bringing your girlfriend here? Or, you know, what do you like about your girlfriend? And let him tell you, like, oh, great. But not maybe you should move this or what if she's waiting for you to do something. I would almost turn off the advice um, any kind of advice that you want to give him that volume just turn it down and just try to focus on 
getting to know him and what he is, who he is, how he feels, what he likes, without any kind of judging or changing or thinking that that's something that he needs from you. Thank you very much. I think that's what he really needs, and that's, that's what I will do. Yeah, and I, I, I get it. Your, uh, yeah, you're you're wanting to help him. You know, you're concerned about him. But yeah, it seems like, and it seems like even what's happening now is, you know, you're doing it, but with a different flavor than when he was younger. Maybe when he was younger, it was more angry, more controlling. But he's still going to feel it likely the same way that oh, dad is doesn't like how I am. Dad doesn't want me to you know be this way. I can never make him happy. You know, and so the more he can feel that how he is is okay, and that'll take some time. You can do this. 20 times in a row or for a month and he still won't completely change that expectation of what he's thinking you're saying or you know feeling so it'll be you know take some time and and just um you know going back to earlier in our conversation trying to just accept him as he is not worrying do i need to help him change in this way or that way um giving him that space to to be himself especially at his age now but even you know younger i i do want i know you want to talk about your your daughter and i do want to give use some time for that too um would you want to yeah. ask about her if I, yeah if i can if i can just sure. quickly talk about her she's a little bit different uh she uh, was also a little bit um, quiet and uh, shy and uh, in some ways when she was uh, younger when she was going out with friends she says oh i never have good time with them i feel guilty when i go out with, with them and then uh, she was just basically unhappy her, her face was not really a shining happy face uh, even though she was taller probably more beautiful than uh, than the the girls around there, her friends but still she would just uh, not be happy with the way the way she is or the way everything was the relationships and stuff and then but she did come uh, to the to the therapy with us we went to you know she, she's even taking a little bit of medication now for i think it's for anxiety and then uh, she does. Uh, she does get irritated a little bit. I think she she is probably more, I would say, on the OCD type. Sometimes mm-hmm. she says, "Oh, it's too much furniture around here. Too much things. I, I am irritated. I, I want everything to be cleared up uh, from the room or something like that." And then uh, she is. She's also, uh, you know, limited friends. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically, uh, uh, she is. Uh, also um, not very good at uh, um, socializing with people you know when we have friends and stuff she's just more listener she's just uh, she's, she doesn't she comes and she just eats, eats with us and stuff like that but she's just when we have friends or relatives around she'd be she be the quiet type mm-hmm. um, but she's a little bit different it's just, I, I would say she's a little bit more on the on anxiety or OCD type than 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 Asperger like my son. My son is just completely avoids things. You know, he, he avoids any social uh, behavior or social gatherings. But no, her she will come, and then she would just stay quiet basically. And if she ask a question, she she'd be a little bit shy to answer, but she would just quietly answer, you know, a, a couple of questions, and then she would just shy away from it. She's a little different. Yeah, it does seem different. Although, you know, avoidance is part of anxiety too. But with your son, you're saying you're, the question is, is there even a desire? Whereas with your daughter, it seems like she's even saying she wants things to be easier or would want to have 
more right. a friend. So that is a very different, clearly the desire is there, but either something in the ability or the anxiety yeah. is getting in the way of, of making that happen. Um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, th- that is that is different, but uh, you know, has some themes that you might, that's why I maybe thought they were similar. It doesn't seem like Asperger's either with her, it does seem more anxiety, unless like you feel like she has a hard time picking up on certain cues or um, like I was saying before, describing Asperger's that she, you know, doesn't understand what people are feeling or seems to totally miss what's appropriate or not appropriate in social situations. Do you see any of that in her? No, not at all. Yeah, so it's likely not. Um, Asperger's just yeah, has a harder time with it, and it does seem like it causes her distress, and that is that is different than if, let's say, your son likes it the way it is. So um, with her, it seems like that's, yeah, more of an anxiety. You said it yourself. I don't know if it's necessarily OCD. You know, OCD itself is a, a diagnosis that's, involves obsessions and compulsions like doing repetitive behaviors or doing doing certain things we sometimes use it um you know colloquially like a oh someone's very ocd if they care about things being a certain way or seem to get really anxious about something we might feel it brings up people saying they're ocd but it might be something different from that more of a generalized anxiety or maybe also social anxiety could be both um does she seem like she wants help? Is she getting help? And is your question again, what is what what should your role be in helping her? Well, uh, yes. What can mm-hmm. we do to help her? I mean, she's, uh, as I said, she, uh, she's taking uh, medication, uh, a little medication she's taking for, for anxiety, but uh, she doesn't seem to be uh, improving, uh, improving that much. Uh, but uh, when you said social anxiety, mm-hmm. now, uh, what's the difference between a, a, a regular or an anxiety and a social? Because they seem to have, when it comes socially, they both get this uh, this anxiety or this uh, uh, avoid, avoiding uh, social behaviors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's more social anxiety than anything else. Well, yeah, so, and again, someone might avoid or it seems to us like they avoid, but it could be they don't have the desire, right? So we don't know. It doesn't have to be anxiety just because someone doesn't do something. But when we, you know, people who, anxiety is a general thing we all experience. And when we have these labels, social anxiety or generalized anxiety means it's like not about just specific things. It's more general. Social anxiety is when the anxiety shows up even more in social situations or interactions. And it could lead to avoidance because someone is, afraid of, you know, what's going to happen, afraid of uh, how they're going to look in the situation, all those types of things that might make them, and then they might avoid it because of that. Um, So, and people who have anxiety in general are prone to these different kinds of anxiety. That's why I think she could have both. It, It might not be just social anxiety or just something more general. It could be that she has both of those. So, um, and they're not these clear-cut things to say it's just going to be one or the other. It seems like she is an anxious person. And I would say that similarly with your son, um, you know, especially if she's 25 at this point. I think she's 25. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. You know, give, you know, more than likely she's going to have to find what helps her and what's going on. You can be there as a support. More than anything with her too, I would want you to make her feel okay how she is and being who she is than trying to change her because again when we anytime we try to change someone it is saying that how you are is not okay 
Now, if she comes and tells you, Dad, I, you know, I want some help with this. Okay, great. Let me see how I can help you with that. But if she just seems, you know, like she's going through something or having challenges, but doesn't seem like she wants any help or advice, I, I would, again, go away from trying to change her or thinking that you're going to fix it for her. You know, with anxiety, it's tough because we see someone like, I'm afraid of flying. We want to say, well, there's nothing to be afraid of, but it doesn't mean that takes it away just because we, we logically describe uh, that their anxiety or their fear is unwarranted. And so the same thing with social anxiety. You tell her, oh, you're like you were saying, you're actually more beautiful than your friends or you're more this, there's nothing to worry about. Who cares what people think? But that won't make it go away. So, um, you know, of course, be loving and supporting if she's stressed about those things, but making sure you don't put that pressure on yourself to change her, then that puts a pressure on her to change and gives her the message that she's not okay. So more than anything, I would say allow her to be who she is and what she's going through because trying to change her likely won't make her change and will just make her feel like, oh, I'm also making my dad disappointed in me or stressing him out about what's going on with me. Okay, very good. Totally understand. Thank you so much sure. for your help. I, My pleasure. Nice talking that, that to you. Great advice. Thank you so much, Doctor. My pleasure. Take care. All right, let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, thanks for calling. Oh, thank you, Dr. Halakwe. It's my pleasure to talk with you. Oh, likewise. And thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, if you want to tell me, uh, to, uh, if you want me to tell about uh, myself, I am 64 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm first child of three one. Both, but both my parents had previous um, marriage mm-hmm. and children that they were not living with us. Okay. Just uh, once in a while, they were coming to visit. All right. Um, my um, youngest sister is uh, um, actually almost three years uh, younger than me, and uh, she is uh, actually very supportive to me. I should say she has been always kind to me because uh, I got divorced when I was twenty-eight. And I didn't marry, and she's very kind to me and to my daughter, um, very supportive. But um, um, I understand, I feel that she has a love-hate relation with me. Okay. Especially since uh, the time that... um, you know, my uh, my life came better. I was working hard, um, but now I am retired. I'm actually having a part time. I I have um, more or less peace in my life. And um, I have been in America. I, uh, I should mention that I I have been in uh, America for twenty years now, and she is in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, then. Uh, what I'm, I want to tell about her that she is so, uh, I mean, so, so aggressive with me. She thinks that I should obey everything she says. And 
actually uh, she condemns me all the time, criticizes me. About what kind of things, when you say obey, like what kind of things do you feel like she wants you to obey? Like uh, um, do this with your uh, daughter. Do, uh, you know, um, when I go to Iran, you know, she wants to control me the where to go and where not to go. And um, if I if I go to my friends, you know, she complains that um, you have come here to see us. Why you are going, you know, to this friend and that friend, and you know, you are doing the why you are shopping, you are shopping too much. Um, so, and um, um, here uh, when when she's there and I'm in America. She criticized me that why you are working so hard, uh, and she is, she has never worked in her life, and uh, her husband uh, supports her, but nobody supports me. So I should uh, I should work, you know, to cover my mm-hmm. my daughter and you know to support her and you know to cover my expenses with my mortgage. But she always said, oh, my God, you are working again. You are working on weekend. You are what? And uh, this makes me very sad. But I always, I, I don't say anything. I just let it go. Um, because, as I said, she has been so supportive to me uh, emotionally. And in some time that I was really in a bad uh, financial a situation mm-hmm. um, in about for about uh, a year and a half or two years she was supporting me but I compensated everything that she gave me okay so and let me ask you uh, what what do you you know uh, you know you're giving me I know this background but what is the the question or what is it that you'd like to figure out okay I want to know that where this Love, hate. Okay, I understand about love. I don't understand where this hate relation comes from. She always calls my my, um, my daughter when she finds her alone and, and talks, uh, you know, talks bad behind me. And um, she actually uh, attributes to me whatever problem that she has like um, very aggressive, uh, very bossy, uh, you know, she always, uh, you know, uh, actually condemns me that, oh, you are so bossy, you are what, you are not in a good um, uh, temper, all the time you are in a bad temper. Okay, my question is that I want to know where this um, hate comes from. Well, you know, I obviously can't tell you does, that she hates you. There's an anger you're feeling, and that's often what we mean when we say love-hate um, relationship. There does seem to be an anger, and when you ask me where does her anger for you come from, I can't say I know. There could be, you know, several things, and it's not just one of them, probably more than one. It could be that she's angry in general and is a critical person in general because it seems like that's what you're mentioning that she criticizes um, almost everything that you do there could be something you've done to her maybe in the past or at some point or something she feels you did or your situation in life 
as you said, or a situation in the family or how you were treated that has led to a resentment that's still there towards you, that those things can be there. So I can't tell you why she feels this way. It seems like you're wanting to know it's own, uh, the sense of, well, I didn't do something wrong. Why does she feel this way or what caused this? Now, one thing I'll say is I know you're saying I never tell her anything. And it's no. not that there's a solution to this that's going to be easy or if you say something, it'll it'll make it good or go away. But that's something that you might want to consider. Well, you can let her know if something bothers you or upsets you. doesn't mean she'll stop doing it or doesn't mean she'll react favorably. She might get more angry or say, what do you mean? You're being sensitive or somehow blame you for even not liking it. But we're not responsible for what someone does, but we are responsible for what we, how we respond or if we respond to what they say. So we can't control her saying these things. But what you say in response to them, that is in your control. And it seems like your general tendency was to avoid and be passive about it. It could be worth changing that. Now, are you someone who generally doesn't share if something bothers you with other people or with others you let them know? No, just with her because she's very lonesome uh, over there. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She has she had only two friends that they went abroad, and uh, she's very lonesome. She she loves me. I know she loves yeah. me, but I, I don't I don't want to. Um, I don't want to, uh, you know, upset her. That's why, you know, I just let it go. I don't say anything. Uh, but if even if I talk with her, uh, she would say, no, this is you, that you, you are aggressive. You are, you know, she, she always, uh, you know, turned the table towards me. Well, That's yeah. Not- so what I would, what I, you know, these things are difficult to bring up. One, especially if you haven't for so long to then say something or well, have you brought it up before and she said these this these things or you're assuming she's gonna say you're aggressive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did once and she didn't talk to me for six months, but again I called and I said, Don't be upset, don't uh, uh, you know, we we should talk if we have mm-hmm. uh, you know, problem, we should talk together and solve it and but um you know, when then uh, I was, she wants me. I have understood that she wants me weak. She wants me in need. Mm-hmm. So, and she, uh, this gives her a, some confidence that she helps me. Yeah, maybe, or the sense that she's needed, so you won't leave her, or that makes her feel valued. It's possible what you're saying. Um, now, let me ask you, when you finally did talk to her after those six months, did you and her talk about what happened? Or no, you just tried to go back to being how you were before? No, I, ta- I talked to her, but um, she still is upset because I I, just, I I talked to her. And she said, no, this is she's blaming that it was your fault. Um, you did that. You, um, you know, she doesn't want to accept... She is never, never guilty about something. She mm-hmm. never says, um, excuse me. She never apologizes. But I have been always, um, you know, apologetic. And I, I talk to her and I say, okay, we love each other. So let it go. I, you know, I don't think about it anymore. But she she doesn't forget anything. Mm-hmm. 
any bad thing. Uh, she wants to uh, actually revenge. You know, if if you um, if I do something, if I say something, or or somebody else, even even her children, even uh, she has two sons. So she she doesn't get comfort until she gets um, she's not getting revenge well you know you're describing how she is in general so you're saying where does this hate come from if you're right in how you're describing her then yeah that's how she is in relation relating to other people or she has to see herself above the person or they're wrong and she's right so she has to find the ways that they are wrong and mm-hmm. doesn't want to look at herself again I'm going based on your assessment of her she might have a, a very different version of it or the reality might be something different but if that's how you you, you know she, she is to you then when you ask where is it coming from i mean this is where you know it's not personal to you you're even telling me it's not personal to you she's like that with people in general so that's one thing to keep in mind now i would say if you ever do bring it up one i wouldn't bring it up in the heat of the moment and two i wouldn't say something like you're so aggressive or you're so this Uh, I would share it in a way of something specific that she did that you didn't like. So not you did this and it was wrong, but I was hurt or I got upset when you said this and and keep it specific. This I didn't like. Now she might say you're sensitive or, you know, that's your fault. I didn't say anything wrong. You needed to hear that. You know, she might have a response. I'm not saying if I give you these words, she's going to definitely respond in a good way. But if you want to mention something again, you can... You can try that, but it could be that she won't have the, the, she'll be too defensive or won't be able to take that in to respond in a way that allows her to see her flaws. That's what it seems like you feel, that she um, can't see her own flaws or faults. And because of that, she's going to react in these ways, be very defensive. And so she always has to see the, the smallness of you or you feel that way to make herself feel okay. And that's something very deep and you're not going to solve that for her if that's how she feels. You can ask her, you know, when you feel that she's angry or something, say, you know, sometimes I feel like you're angry. And she might say, no, I'm not. You're the aggressive one. You're the angry one. But anyway, sometimes I feel that you're angry with me or you're upset with me. I'm wondering if there's anything I've done that's hurt you. So you can make it even about you. Now, she might say you did, you know, maybe she'll go off and yeah, see you did all these things that ruined our relationship, but maybe there's an opening there. So if she's as defensive as you feel like she is, likely if you tell her how bad she's being or how wrong she is, she's not going to be able to even take that in. She's quickly going to get offensive, not even just defensive. But if you try to say... I, you know, sometimes it feels like you're angry with me. I Maybe I'm, you know, you're saying that's your feeling. I feel like sometimes you, I get the sense that you're angry with me. And it makes me wonder, is there anything I've done that's hurt you? Now, maybe she'll say, yes, that time you said that thing and I didn't talk to you for six months or something. But there could be something deeper there possibly. But you might have to just accept that this is how she is and it's not going to change. You know, she is this way. And when you say, where does that hate come from to not take that personally, that it means you're a hateful person or you caused the hate or it's your fault. I would want you to ask her so she can tell you if she is upset with you, but to recognize that taking it personally likely uh, isn't the reality of of, of your, of your, it's on your cause that she's Mm -hmm. angry with you. If you feel like she's this way with everyone, well, then it's not about you. No, she's not, she's not like this with everyone. Okay. 
just treat her um, uh, children and me. Yeah. And me. Well, the people she's closest with, yeah. And maybe that she can be this way with, or feels like she can be that way. You know, one, you know, she she keeps uh, talking to my daughter that your mother is this, your mother is uh, very aggressive, your mother, you you have used to this um, behavior, and, you know, all mothers are kind and nice. And, uh, you know, believe me that, uh, you know, everybody is telling me that you are a good mother. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a good mother, but uh, she wants me, she wants to blame me that, uh, you know, I... Well, and then how does your, how does your daughter feel? What does your daughter say to her? And what does your daughter say to you? Oh, she's, she, my, my daughter say says the same thing that she says your your sister has a has a hate uh, hmm. relation okay. with you so don't be in contact with her but um but i tell her that no i can't i can't you know uh, cut the connection uh, with her because well, you, be I mean, it's up to you. Awesome. At the end, it's up to you. But you might have to accept that if you know that's how that's how she is. Now, it doesn't mean you'd have to cut, but you might limit if it's you're saying it's just hurtful in this way, and you don't have to make yourself her savior. That you you know she's alone without you, and she needs that. If it's hurting you, that's up to you of what you want to do with it. Either you have to accept it and just not take what she says as seriously and just let her say things if you think that's that's one option but or you can reduce at least your relationship with her if you don't even cut her off fortunately your daughter is not being you know affected by what she's saying as far as changing how she sees you but i'm sure your daughter doesn't like that either hearing her just say negative things about you and she's telling you your sister has so much anger towards you a while ago my daughter had a had a conversation with her and she said, what do you want me to do about my mom? She's my mom. And uh, you don't have any friend. You you know, you are so aggressive to her. And uh, what is wrong with you? Why you are telling me, do you want to give me, do you want to brainwash me about my mom? Uh, so she's very upset. She doesn't talk to my uh, daughter now for two months, uh, even though she she loved my daughter, and uh, they were in regular contact. Mm-hmm. So, so she she doesn't wanna, uh, you know, she yeah. doesn't wanna. Well, if the, yeah, if that's yeah. Well, I mean, so you know, we're we're seeing you're telling me how she is, and then you're saying, what can we do about it? But really, you can't change her. That's her. And really, like I said, you can change what you do in response, or how much you even respond to her. I get that she's your sister, but to feel that you have to sacrifice yourself for her, I I don't think that's your responsibility. That's going to be your choice. And, you know, this anger, like you're saying, the first thing you said is, where does this hate come from? You're saying that's how she talks to the people that she's closest with. So that's, you're not going to change that. So it's unfortunate. It seems like it's sad for you. I can get that. But to try to change her, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Sure, nice was, talking to you. Uh, it was an honor to talk oh, to you. Oh, likewise, nice talking to you. Thank you. Have a wonderful okay. rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. 
Hi, Dr. Farid. Um, this is Mana. I uh, want to talk to you about my son. Okay. He's almost 18 years old, so I just want to give the phone to him so you talk to him. <laughs> now, did he? let me ask you, did he want to talk to me? Was... Of course. Okay. Yes, he wants to talk to you. All yes. right. Let's, let's talk to him. Thank you, doctor. Sure. Hi, Dr. Halosby. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm actually very well. Um, I want to thank you because I was actually went to your office a few years ago. Basically, um, at that time, I was in elementary school and my mom, or middle school, like, thinks great, I think. Uh, my mom enrolled me, me in, like, all sorts of classes. Let um, me stop you there for a second. I didn't know, you know, the, the nature oh. of the call. I mean, of course, you can share whatever you want, but because it's related to... It seems like it might be related to, I'm not just related to therapy or not, but that's something I always want to be careful about how much we, we get into. It's respecting your privacy more than anything. Um, but so it's up to you what you want to share, but I just want us oh, to no, be I aware. Mind. Okay. Like, yeah. I just, went on, like, I just want to let you know that I've like, been with you before like one time, and you did give good advice about like not being in too many extracurricular activities. Okay. That that sounds like interesting advice. Even I surprised myself there. I guess yeah, the, anything could be too much, uh, or need to be more in moderation. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm in high school. I'm in my senior year, and I'm like thinking about what college major would be good for me. Um, I'm very passionate and interested in history, and I am thinking of becoming a lawyer. But I've been seeing that like history majors don't make a lot of money, like in general compared to STEM like computer engineering and computer science mm -hmm. well um, my my first thought of course is we have to know what you want to study more than anything than for me to tell you that this is the right thing to study because um, yes there are some you know averages you can find of salaries of different majors and things like that but at the end of the day what's going to make you successful is not just picking a particular major, but pick your, picking the major that's right for you, that you want to study. And then I have faith that you'll become successful doing whatever that is that you, you like. And on top of that, you know, the college major has an impact, but, you know, it doesn't dictate your path going forward. So uh, you can be a history major and go into STEM at some level if you'd like to or in future. Uh, but really, there isn't something I would say is the right major I could tell you to take. We can talk about it a bit more um, to see what might be an interest for you, what you like to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I also even think this notion that at uh, 17 years old, 18 years old, people have to pick their path doesn't make sense. And that's why it's good that it really isn't that way. You know, I was pre-med for a little bit, then I went into psychology. I know so many people that changed their majors many times, or I had a a classmate in graduate school he studied computer science but then he went into get a phd in clinical psychology so uh, i wouldn't want you to worry too much that this decision is going to dictate a lot i think it's good to think about it and and reflect on it and then take the major you think makes the most sense for you and also being flexible that once you start taking classes in different disciplines you might find that you you want to change that major and that's fine as well i was thinking though that like I kind of, like, I'm interested in the field of law, like, because I'm very good at, like, recall and making verbal arguments, mm -hmm. and 
I've heard from people that I'm a very logical, analytical person, and I have found the field of law interesting. Do you have information on the field of law? Well, I mean, um, not not particularly anything more than what you might find online or, you know, I've talked to people who are lawyers. And so you're right. Those types of things will be important. Analytical thinking, be able to, being able to put your ideas and your arguments into words. Those will be important. You know, enjoying reading, you know, lawyers, most types of law, you'll have to read a lot. Also in law school, you'll, you'll have to read a lot. Sorry, I didn't know if you were saying something there. Yeah. So, I like reading. Okay, that's good. That could be helpful. I mean, also as a history major, you'd uh, read a lot. And yeah, I know, you know, lots of times uh, political science is another major that often you see people that want to go into law school. Um, they take that major as well. So if you feel that law is uh, something you're interested in, what I would encourage you to do is obviously research online. You likely have already done that. You can also talk to people who are lawyers, and just like is the case in many fields, law covers so many different things. So there's types of law that you might really enjoy, and there's types of law you might really not enjoy at all and not want to go into. So it, it can be helpful to talk to people in the field who actually experience what it's like to work in, in, in law um, to get their perspective on what they experience. How can I merge history and law? Well, you know... There isn't, some schools have a, there usually isn't a pre-law major. So often people who want to go to law school, they major in history. I've also, like I said, political science is common. When you say merge history and law, what do you mean? Like, I guess try to find like a, like a field in law. I mean, that would require a lot of the same skills as history. And what what would you consider as the skills of history? I don't know, like the kind of thinking you have to do for history, like with the recall. Yeah, well, there, there's recall, of course, reading, and you know those things. Um, I mean, I, I would say if you enjoy history, be a history major. You can also pursue that more. Maybe it's a bit limited, or more limited. You know, you obviously can teach history, and there's things you can do. You can write, so it's not. Um, there isn't, there's no careers, there's probably less, or it's less of a clear career path as when you go into law school, you become a lawyer. That's more clear. It does seem like if your interest is in history, I would, I think it makes sense for you to go into that. I know you said something earlier about STEM, science, and uh, those engineering, those types of... the culture of like Iranian families, like I know, I don't know if like you've experienced this yourself, but there's like always a big push for like kids moms and dads telling their kids to go study engineering and go mm-hmm. study computer science like what would you have to say about that cultural thing yeah i mean look even our conversation today i know you said you're okay to to, to have this conversation but clearly your mom was the one that took the initiative and made the call and so there's these pushes that come in lots of different shapes and sizes and ways and for me when it comes to what you study and what you do, you're the one that's going to make that decision. And that's why even when you ask me, I can share some of my thoughts. But in particular, even when I see people, let's say, in therapy, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do for their career, I don't tell them you should do this because this is good. I try to help them figure out what they would want to do or what makes sense for them. 
get in touch with that voice within themselves and that understanding of where it's coming from to make that decision. So to me, ultimately, you should be the one that's going to make this decision. And you also should feel, as I said, that even if, let's say, you pick history, you don't have to stay on that path forever. That's part of college is you take classes, you experience things, and you experience different things to see where your interests lie and your passions lie, and then that'll help you figure it out. Along with, as I said, talking to people in different fields to see what they do, what their careers are like, to see what makes sense for you. Uh, But ultimately, I would want you to make that decision. And if you're saying you prefer history, I I don't see any problem with that for you to be a history major and then also take other classes as you will in those first two years in particular. And if you see history is what you like, great. If you see you don't and you like something else more, um, changing is an option too. I think another question, like I am a person who's like very academically successful. Like I have a 4.36 GPA, but I have high functioning Asperger's, which mm-hmm. kind of gives me like social difficulties. What okay. are some like advice you would give for someone with high functioning Asperger's to succeed in the workplace? Well, you know, as, as you probably know, people with, um, Asperger's can be very successful personally and professionally and that's something that I'm sure you will figure out a way to to create for yourself as well um, you know the, when you say in the workplace often you have to make sure you're with people that understand you which is true of anyone you have to make sure it's the right fit for you and I think fortunately people are much more understanding and and aware that people are, you know, we talk about neurodivergent, that people can think and just be different and there isn't one right way to be and we want to give space for that. So I think the good news is that more and more workplaces, and it's not to say that they'd be lucky to have you to begin with, but they're more aware of the differences that people can have that might, um, and and to know how to accommodate them. So I think it's going to be fine. Also, I think even in college and in making friends, in general, people make friendships. One of the main things is common interests. And so I'm sure that's a way that you would be able to make friends and to have a a more enjoyable social life when you're in college. You're saying that academics is something that you have a, a hold on. But if socially that comes up, I would, you know, see your interests that you know and find people there's lots of clubs and groups usually on campuses where you can meet people that are like-minded and like similar things and that could be a good way to create those relationships but you know that question you asked it's an understandable one that you're trying to figure out um, but it's one that's going to involve lots of different things that you'll figure out over time but that I have confidence you will figure out you know and maybe you'll work somewhere and it won't be the right place and that's okay to change that as well um but to it's good just to have that awareness of yourself and what works for you and what doesn't and find something that matches that i have another question like when like what's the like what's the advice to like avoid being like sidelined in a group and like actually like developing a connection to someone because when i talk to someone like i can be friendly with them like Mm -hmm. to a reasonable level like i can get along with them to do a school project but I can't really go much further than that with people. Like I struggle to like actually connect and like make friends with most people. Like I have some friends, but I have a few strong friends, but I don't have like many friends like I see most people have. And when you say 
you struggle what what do you think is the struggle like i guess probably like connecting to people like um i've all i'm always like getting a little bit nervous and i always like escape a situation hmm like if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Well, well, that's and that's a thing. You know, when when we do get nervous, when we're anxious or uh, fearful, what it does is it makes us want to get away from that thing that makes us anxious. Unfortunately, that only tends to make us more anxious over time. And if we can actually go into that thing that makes us fearful, it'll be better for us over time. But you know, right. you asked some important questions, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm I've kind of been off on the timing today. So I want to go to a commercial break, and then I'll. We'll, we'll end the show together. It'll be several more minutes, not too many more, but I want to make sure we, we get a, a few more minutes to talk together, okay? So we'll put you on hold and right. talk after the break. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to them now. The caller, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. All right. So before the break, we were talking about friendships and some challenges you uh have been facing from what I understood you were saying that you you have um, easier time building that initial connection but then making that more deeper longer lasting connection is more of a challenge yes absolutely like I know like how to like talk to people mm-hmm. and be friendly and get along with them but I struggle with like making them friends yeah that makes sense yeah well you know there's different levels of you know relationships closeness that we can have so i can i totally can get what you're saying and one thing you know you mentioned also how to avoid getting sidelined and uh, of course and we only have about five minutes so i i I wish we had more time or this is things that would take even longer to get into but one thing i'll say and this is true for any of us is that if we do feel sidelined or if people are not giving us the time or giving us the friendship we'd like we we don't need to accept that and we should look for it in a place where we do get it so i don't mean yeah to say as quickly as it doesn't feel good to walk away because i know you said you might do that sometimes too but to remember that if someone doesn't want our friendship unfortunately we tend to take it personally and can feel really bad and mm-hmm. sometimes try to push them to be our friend but that we we don't need to and we find the person that wants to be our friend or whatever type of relationship it is we are looking for from romantic to professional to to friendship. So that's just something to keep in mind that sometimes, you know, someone might not want to be our friend or might not feel the same connection we feel with them. And that can hurt and not feel good. We all will feel that sting. Um, But to be ready to to move Mm -hmm. to someone who does want that with us, you know, when we will find people that make us, you know, friends should make us feel valued and that they, uh, enjoy our friendship and want our friendship and if we don't feel that then then something is off there now you did mention um that you have asperger's and that is one of the challenges that people with asperger's often face is challenges or difficulties with social type of situations and relationships so i can get that it might be like you said the academics comes easily that the, the the social side might be more of a challenge. So this is something that you might have to be ready to continue to not face the same type of challenges, but that you might have to be aware of this part of your life in a different way and to make efforts to, as I was saying, meeting people who 
uh, have similar interests in you. Um, not to assume I, I know something about you because you mentioned something about yourself about the Asperger's, but sometimes people with Asperger's have really passionate interests, like they like something a lot and they're really into Especially it. And that could history. Be, yeah, so history. So that could be something that you can bond, I'm sure, with someone who also really enjoys history because it seems like it's something you would enjoy talking about or um, having conversations about or maybe going to let's say some kind of event or something related to history and so that's something that it could be good to keep in mind we really all bond over shared interests it's like the most basic way that we make connections and friendships so that's probably something that will be helpful let's say if you are a history major well then you'll have classes with people who are at some level interested in history maybe some of them are just taking it as a general requirement or not that interested in it but I, I would assume there's some type of history clubs or, you know, something related to being a history buff that might also allow you to meet some people with similar interests. So, you know, it's tough to say what is happening when you're saying you're you're having a harder time connecting or making those deeper connections. But I hope can I you really quickly for that. Sure, um, sure. Basically, what I mean is like I can like establish friendships, but like I feel like a lot of these friendships are like people like talking down to me and like not treating me like an equal yeah and that that's kind of what that's never that and that's not a friendship right a friendship is someone who um sees us as an equal and who makes us feel even better about ourselves. you know sometimes we can feel low or down and a friend is someone that picks us up rather than ever makes us feel like they're looking down or pushing us down so it, it can be tough because sometimes you might feel like oh this person seems like a friend and then maybe they treat you in a way that makes you feel what you were just saying like they're talking down to you in some way and that could be sad i'm sure to have that experience but i would hope that you always um or only would stay friends with someone who doesn't give you that feeling and i think that will be out there for you um, it might be harder to find and sometimes it can be with people who are really treating us the way that we deserve to be treated as I'm sure you treat them that you're going to treat them with respect and and not talk to, talk down to them the friendship should feel mutual and so yeah I would encourage you to keep looking or keep creating those bonds it can be tough because you might create many of them and then you feel like a lot of them don't end up becoming friendships and it seemed like it was promising and that could be tough to get our hopes up again and keep trying but i really hope you do college could be a great time because you depends on where you go but especially if it's a university with many students thousands of students you're even more likely to um, be able to find people that will be more like-minded and you can make that kind of a connection with so i hope you'll keep going and i'm sorry if you know you've had that feeling at times that's not what friendship should be we shouldn't get that feeling from someone so yeah wish you the best that as i was saying before unfortunately we're we had limited time and we were at the end of the time for mm-hmm. for today but it was nice to talk to you and, and i appreciate you you know just sharing your thoughts on things and, and wish you all the best you too man take care okay. bye-bye take care bye-bye all right that brings us to the end of today's show a big thank you to Farhuda here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fahir Lokwi, Zan Zendegi Azati. Mm-hmm.